with Sarah Hendy. Brought to you by the Isle of Man Arts Council. Faster my and welcome along to the programme. This week we're looking back at the Isle of Man Art Festival and speaking to some of the artists showing their work in various locations around Peel. Don't forget, if you can't stay with us for the next half an hour, you'll find the show as a podcast on the Manx Radio website. Last weekend, I ventured west to see some of the work on display as part of the Isle of Man Art Festival, and my first discovery was the garden of Eric Glitherow and Myra Gilbert, which really was a work of art in itself. Inside the house, I found Myra, who'd been working on some beautifully delicate paper garments. Well, looking at your garden and how you've transformed it from, um, you know, what was quite a reserved little lawn into this glorious, Hi. blooming wilderness of a, a, a little pond. It's gorgeous. Please. I love it. No, it's a little sanctuary yeah. in the middle of Peel that you just wouldn't know was here. It's no surprise that you've taken to pressing flowers um, and yeah. using them in your work. It's so delicate and glorious. Are, are they from your garden? They're not, but <laughs> I have looked. We've got plenty of flowering weeds in the garden, but in fact I've been out foraging because you can't, you can't actually pick wildflowers willy-nilly. You have to wait till there's enough yeah. in one place and only pick up a few. Um, you can't sort of decimate them. So it's been a real pleasure, and every time I've been out, uh, I've realised very gradually by trial and error that unless you pick them there and then they go over and you can't repeat it so now I'm going to work from the seasons right through from now on so that um, it's really like eating to the season isn't it so um, I want to make items that are completely biodegradable because I've got enough stuff that isn't (laughs) biodegradable so this is going to just melt away when I go Gosh, it's a beautiful idea because I mean they are so delicate and they these little dresses. Oh, I mean, so they're so dainty. Little dresses made of tissue paper, are they? Yeah. It's gampy. It's a it's a vegetable fibre in Japan. They use it for paper conservation for books. Oh, so wow. they glue it. Uh, you can paste it almost invisibly across tears. So they use it in that way, and it's it's very 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 light. But uh, you can't write on fabric. Uh, whereas this you can because it's paper so I hand sew the little clothes there sort of ghost memories of childhood and of clothes that we had I'm one of four sisters you know what that's like and uh, so I'm sort of roaming around my childhood but making things as I go and to display them on a light box is such a lovely idea because the translucence, the delicacy, you can, you can appreciate that a lot more. I suppose light must play quite a big part in this work. I love transparency and I love yeah. it when you play about with uh, two dimensions and three dimensions and the light just tells you what, what it is you're looking at. You don't have to even touch it. So the fact they're written on um, really is, it's almost completely hidden. Yeah. I know it's there, but when it's on the light box, it just becomes just about apparent that these are my poems. Mm. So you have to be of a certain age, 
Sarah to recognise a roof swimsuit these days. Oh, well, and you should say that I had, pl- I had plenty of hand-me-downs. In fact, my mother and I were just reminiscing the other day about a knitted swimming costume I had yes, as a child, which, yeah. yes. Right, they didn't behave well, did they, when no. they got wet and sandy? Yeah. Yes. No, I can remember it just almost went down to my knees. Oh. People remember the feeling of, you know, it's such an unusual thing to be doing if you live in a town and then you go on holiday and yeah. you've suddenly got the sand and the sea and the wind and the, the salt and so on. So it's very memorable to people and yeah. most people who see this particular piece uh, have a memory to contribute. I wish I'd written a book now. Mm. <laughs> you know, they've all got well, a story. You still could. I still could. Mm. <laughs> Might be another project on the rising. I mean, you've got plenty and plenty on the go. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah. No, it's just a pleasure because I love hand sewing and if you're not working in industry anymore you can do what you like yeah Yeah. just turn your skills to something completely different Mm -hmm. Mm. and the the arts festival itself has been a a real success this year i know that there have been so many obstacles but it's it's looking great there's loads of people out and about people are you know taking their precautions but because it could be that nobody would turn up Mm -hmm. you know if they got nervous and so on but we've got all the precautions in place and it's been lovely to see people that we haven't seen for two years people regularly come around these uh, festivals uh, and and great that you know yeah all the artists that have put the work in and opened up for visitors it's just a, I think it's a very generous thing to do. We're used to it, but for a lot of people, it's quite a, um, a different sort of thing to do if you're an artist. Yeah. You have to open your door, yeah. show what you do. Yeah. Also on display were paintings, prints, and photographs by Eric. I think one of the first ones that caught my eye is that geometric. It's, it's almost, is it like a, a, oh, I don't even know what shape it is. But there was a lot of publicity because um, the nice guy who runs uh, Noah's. Yes. He, he liked them and uh, I was going to chuck them away. Really? Yes. Uh, yeah, because they were old. And um, he said, don't do that. No. I said, promise me you'll chuck them away when you finish with them. And he said he would. He's taking them home. <laughs> But they were uh, they were in pride of place at Noah Bakehouse for quite some time, which must be where I recognise them from. Yeah, it was quite good because a lot of television programmes covering the island yeah. took place in the in Noah, and uh, that, uh, they're always behind somebody's head. You know, so I was quite pleased with that. But I did I did a series. I did eight altogether. One which was by old I so I checked it out. And yeah. seven others which worked, I thought, even though they're old-fashioned looking, yeah. uh, they worked. Um, and the guy who runs the new restaurant in Ramsey's got a couple. Yeah. I think that nice uh, young interior designer, I'm giving you a plug. Um, <laughs> oh, Romana? Uh, Romana, yeah. Yeah, Romana Swinton. Yeah, she yeah. bought a couple and she put them in that restaurant. Um, it was the good stuff, I think, that's the one that opened in Ramsey. Yeah, I can see the, the same kind of vibe. In fact, we spoke to Romana a few weeks ago. Um, I think we share similar taste because, I mean, you said that these works are quite old, but they're still so fresh. Um, what, when did you, what, what inspired you to start working on them in the first place? I, I was trained as a painter, and uh, I, I um, was in admin, to lecturing in college. So I didn't really have time to practice as a proper artist um, uh, until I retired. And then when I retired, uh, 
I thought um, I'd do some painting. And I moved into that direction. Um, we moved here in 2007. So it was roughly around that time. Um, and people like them uh, But I do other things. Now I've given up. Painting is difficult when you're an old man. Um, so I do photographs. Not that it's easier. It, it's physically easier. I don't have to make big stretches. I, I, I'm not a Damien Hurst. You know. <laughs> These guys, um, um, what's her name? Bridget Riley. Oh, yeah. She has um, um, stretches made for her, her canvas is yeah. made for her. And uh, that's the way it is. You know. Well, I think you need, you need your Weetabix if you're going to make a canvas, don't you? And, um, and if you're really connected to the process, I can understand if you wouldn't want somebody else making them for you. And tucked in the corner working away was artist Eve Adams. When you first started making these miniatures, I was completely enthralled because I've seen nothing like it on the island before. They're so detailed. Um, what, what are you making at the moment? It looks like a, a river on a hill. Yeah, I'm just, I, I bought a piece with me that was almost finished because it's nice to have something to work on during an art festival and show yeah. people what you're up to. Um, but it's funny you should mention because the ones you first saw, they were on a slightly larger scale and I've been getting smaller and smaller and working on a smaller <laughs> scale. So this range is, I've been calling Fragments, which is tinier, probably about one to three hundred scale on little bits and bobs that are little treasures that I've had around like a lone domino or a a broken fragment of a book spine and this one is um, a seagull egg which I found almost neatly cracked in half which no I've uh, rejigged and put a little cork sculpture of the sugar loaf in it as you do <laughs> and hinged it so it opens and that must be very small scale I don't know what that might be but yeah for some reason I've gone down a rabbit hole and gone smaller and smaller and smaller <laughs> so. and on, a, on a practical front how's that working for you because I mean do you oh yeah I can see them here I was gonna say you must have to wear like those those snazzy looking magnifying glasses well, oh wow Go on. <laughs> oh my days. I mean, you're going to start something with them. <laughs> but I don't really need them all the time because I've got terrible eyesight, but I wear contact lenses. It's more my fingers. I, I worry that my fingers are going to give up on me, so I have to stop and stretch every now and then. Um, but yeah, I've got the special magnifying glasses with a variety of lenses should I need them. <laughs> but hopefully I don't go so small that you can't see it. <laughs> I was going to say, we've, I think we've all seen that picture of a, a sculpture of a dragon in the eye of a needle or yeah, something. And, yeah. I mean, it's delightful and everything, but... Uh, <laughs> really? Whereas these are, these are like little worlds. You've got like a, a little garden path with a signpost in a teacup and um, bobbins with, with a little... Oh, it looks like a, like a dolman or something something on there what started you on this line of inquiry because I know you've always been fascinated with like small and little worlds and the fairy doors around Castletown are down to you so I can see the connection but this is different again yeah there is a connection there for sure I don't know I always build scenes and uh, I like doing window displays and even a Christmas tree Christmas scenes I just like building different stories and scenes on whatever scale and this just came from that I suppose I like people to be able to look at the work and write a story in their own mind, even if it's just in a second that they're looking at it, they come up with their own little story. Um, 
I think it's more about stories, to be honest. I'm not really sure. <laughs> no, it's it's what works. It's what it's yeah. what draws you. But um, I can see you're working with cork, as you've mentioned. Um, you must have to keep yeah. well stocked up on uh, prosecco corks or yeah. champagne corks. And then there's other like um, little bits of coloured lichen or something, and little tiny, tiny bits of shale and things. And what's the what's the green stuff? Uh, yeah, that is uh, fibres cut to different lengths, um, which are used to make grass. This uh, selection here, which is a purpley selection, is actually from Railway Scenic Modelling Supplies, because oh, yeah. I usually use uh, sponges, kitchen washing up sponges, which I can pluck bits off and paint different colours. But um, I always struggle to do a nice purple, and I came across this heather mix, so I've been using that. Um, bits of stone that I've collected and sorted into different sizes. Gosh, um, <laughs> the bigger ones I did, and then I was just going to say these smaller ones. When I started working on a smaller scale, again that's from Railway, Railway Scenic Modelling, yeah. um, which is a little avenue that's opened up for me. Um, and this is flocking, which you'd use to make bays or um, that kind of thing, which dyes your fingers a lovely <laughs> yellowy green <laughs> colour. <laughs> My nails are really bad, <laughs> coloured green and all sorts of different <laughs> colours. But yeah, I use whatever I've got. What the material. I find sometimes inform what I make um, and it allows me to go bigger or smaller um, depending on what I find so yeah I use anything <laughs> well it's wonderful and I think um, I remember seeing a hot air balloon in yeah, Isle Contemporary and then you building um, <laughs> over at the Old Peel Gasworks yeah. um, that's on a slightly bigger scale but it looked was it is it paper mache that uh, the balloon itself is uh, I can't remember what you call it now. Oh, plaster of Paris. Oh, um, yeah. Is okay. it called mud rock? Plaster of Paris oh, yeah. on, bandages. Oh, on bandages. And then yeah. it's covered in pap papier-mâché. And it's a similar scale to these, actually. Um, and that's kind of Im imagining an island floating away on top of a hot yeah. air balloon yeah. <laughs> with bits of land that they've managed to tag onto it. But yeah, that's a favourite of mine, that piece, actually. <laughs> it's gorgeous. I can remember seeing it. And wow. Um, yeah, I think they really will capture people's imagination. If people want to stay in touch and find out what you're up to, find out where you are, next at any festivals how do they how do they do that uh, the easiest way is my website which is www.eveadams.art or i'm called paint and thimble my social media handles are paint and thimble in one variant or another yeah. <laughs> thank you thanks very much spotlight brought to you by the isle of man arts council thank you to myra gilbert eric glitherow and eve adams for showing me their work I wandered along the quayside and at the house of Mananin I found a whole host of creatives including textile artist Pat Kelly. One of the big conversations we've had with so many creative people around the island, off the island as well, is um, about how lockdown affected their practice and I imagine for you with your forest garden, your natural dyeing techniques and so much detail in your work, I imagine day to day it might not have changed things a whole lot for you. Hello, yes, um, well it hasn't changed a lot but um, I have got a new website um, which I got last year and because of the website which my son made that meant I had to make enough um, goods to actually sell on the website so it's been quite manic this year to actually get it all done to get um, coasters made, cards made um, and wall hangings and they're all very um, slow to make the, the wall hangings I do the um, felting and then I stitch things like um, goldfinches, robins, birds and various flowers on them and I do them with single thread stitch so they take a long time so it's been very meditative and um, I am now doing concentrating mostly on my plant dyeing because of my forest garden and I dye with some very unusual plants that no people 
think about doing and I'm really enjoying doing that and I'm turning them into sort of new products and uh, I'm getting a lot of feedback today. I'm wearing some um, wrist warmers that I made and people have been saying how much they like them and I thought, well, that's another thing I could actually make for my website. Yeah. And today has been amazing catching up with all the other artists which I haven't seen for so long. It's yeah. great. Because it's, I mean, it's so interesting to think of when, you know, especially during the first lockdown when the streets were empty, everybody was in their homes. So nice to think of it being a hive of activity behind closed doors, people finding things to, you know, keep everyone going. Um, so I can imagine you working away. You were talking about the, the dying being your main focus at the moment. Your forest garden must be in full, full bloom at the moment. What, what, are you, what are you working with particularly? Um, well, I'm just using plants that um, you eat for quite a few things. Mm -hmm. For instance, sorrel, fennel, they give absolutely beautiful colours. Um, and uh, there's another plant that I have which is called yellow loose strife, which takes over a whole area of ground cover. Um, and it's got like purple leaves and it's turned out the most wonderful lilac -y and purple colours. And I didn't expect that to come from them. So every day is an excitement. Um, I, I dye a lot of my things in flasks because I don't have a lot of energy to do big pots of dyeing. So what I do is I, I get different fibres and one of the, my latest ones is um, it's a thread and it's a cross between a merino and yak fibre and it's my beautiful soft fibre and I do silk fibres as well. I put them in a flask, put in the mordant which helps to um, make the dye fix put in the dye plant, put in boiling water. Next day I go out and I've got the most incredible colours and every day is an excitement, yeah. It certainly sounds it. And you were talking about using fennel and sorrel. What what sort of shades of colour do you get from them? Because I've, I've not heard of anyone dying with them before. Oh, here we oh no way, really? This is like a, it's almost, it's like a very vivid buttermilk yellow. It's got that slight creaminess to it, but it's quite powerful. I'd never, how did, did you, do you just experiment with different things around your garden and see what happens? Yes, I just throw things in and if, <laughs> yeah. they, and if they don't work, what I do is um, I have the pot and then I have another dye pot that there's something else is going on and I sort of mix them together because I'm not actually after like one solid colour, you know, say if you're knitting a jumper, um, I like my colours to be sort of blended and um, very subtle um, and that's what I make my um, stitched and textile pictures with. So um, I, never a failure in that respect, yeah. Fantastic. I love your approach. Um, and tell us, tell us about this website. So you're having to work hard to keep it stocked up. It sounds like it's going well. Where, where do we find it? Um, it's patktextiles.com is the name of the website. Um, it has been quite slow to get started, but I have sold some stuff to Norway and to Belgium um, and to the UK. Um, so it's only getting your name known is the, the main thing. Um, but I'm very excited about it. My name's Helen Winter and I'm a textile artist. I can see you're working on something here. It looks like a, oh, it's, it's a dog, is it? I yes. can see the pictures. Yes, it's a, it's a needle felted um, dog. And what I've done is I've made a wire armature for the inside. Um, and I use a lot of reference pictures. Um, mm -hmm. And then I use wool to wrap around the wire armature and use the reference photographs to build up the body to uh, make a, a life-like replica and then what I'm doing with what I will do in the end is actually use some of the fur from the dog really? to actually put on as the final coat. Oh gosh. 
how how do you find that felting? Because um, we know, like we've we've spoken about felting on the the arts program before, where it's the the scaly nature of the the wool fibres which make them so good at sort of clinging to each other. Dog hair, especially a dog with as shiny a coat as this, it must be a bit more of a challenge. Well, it is, and what I will actually do is I will use very thin um, layers of wool just over the top that's actually the same colour yeah. as the dog hair. So uh, what I'll do is put the dog hair just underneath and then a fine layer over the top so that that wool will adhere to the, to the wool underneath. So it, like, it, it traps the dog hair yeah. inside it. I mean, the longer-coated dogs, you can actually attach that to, to, the, um, to the animal, but you'd, again, you'd have to use some of the actual wool itself as a as a an, an anchor yeah. so to speak kind of kind of like a net like yes. a webbing to yes. sort of secure yes. it yeah. yeah and um, what was the word remind me again what the word was for the metal structure underneath it's, is it almost like a skeleton you've created yes it is it's called we call it a wire armature so yes it is like a, a wire skeleton so what i've done is taken reference photographs off the internet and then i've measured the, I used that um, photograph and then measured out the, the wire that I was going to use and cut it to length and then wrapped wrapped it into like a little skeleton. The inspiration is so so clear. The processes, it's quite technical. Is that something that you've kind of experimented with to develop your own process or is it something that you learn somewhere or um, a lot of people we've spoken to, especially people who, whose practices really took off during lockdown, um, were watching videos or doing classes online and things. That really influenced the way that people were working. Oh, absolutely. And I think for me, it was a bit of a mixture of both. It's um, my sculptures that I started making probably six years ago were were actually quite basic. But because my art is very intricate and I use, I like them to be, well, I like them to be realistic, but that's just the way my mind works. So um, I would develop my own techniques because I wanted to better myself. Mm-hmm. But the internet is an immense an enormous source of inspiration. So for me, I use both the internet, but also I go out and just, I find it very meditative to go out into nature and just observe. And actually that's a lot of my inspiration is actually to go out and just be curious. So actually, um, when I'm, I mean, I'm lucky in the fact I've got two dogs, so I'm actually out with them every day. And when I'm out, I will just stop and observe them but also what's around me and just say it's mainly curiosity and I think we as humans are just curious and it's just um, using that curiosity to inspire you into how we can develop this but then once you've done that is noting it down I'm a great one for noting and those notes will then develop into further ideas and then I will use the internet as sources of information but also <laughs> for this dog my poor yeah. dogs are inspiration I've, they've they haven't been particularly keen but I've they've had to stand in I've been photographing them from every <laughs> single angle to be able to get all the muscle definition yeah, and yeah. Um, facial facial definitions yeah. and whatnot so as I say it's mainly for me it's curiosity and in the in the natural world if people um, are interested in, I don't know, speaking to you about a commission or um, finding out more about your work, how do we how do we keep in touch with you? I have a website. Um, it's HelenWinterTextileArt.co.uk, but I also have my Facebook page, Helen Winter Textile Art, and also on Instagram, 
but I've got a newsletter so people can sign up to that on my website. Well, despite the drizzle, a lovely weekend was had by all. Well done again to the Creative Network for organising such a brilliant event and roll on 2022. Join me again next Wednesday for Spotlight from 6pm and if you're an early bird, I'll be along bright and breezy at 5 o'clock tomorrow morning with great music to start your day right. Till then, slime you.